Hey everyone, welcome to Faith Palm with Jake and Jesse. It's a podcast where we discuss the weird happenings of the Christian faith. I'm Jesse, I'm Catholic. I'm Jake, and I'm not. And for today's episode? I'm taking over, and we're talking about the goddess Bridget versus Saint Bridget. Bridget's feast day today. Is it Bridget's feast day today? It is. No way! So weird how that timing worked out. Not like it was planned at all. It really was? Oh, did you plan that? Well, after we recorded the first time and then that didn't work out, I was like, okay, we could we could wait. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, hello everyone. Welcome to uh, St. Bridget's feast day. Um... Wow, I had no idea. I feel. I mean, I knew her feast day was February. I thought it was February 2nd, but nope, you are right. It's February 1st uh, when we are recording this. Mm-hmm. Um, for fun fact for our listeners, we actually recorded this episode to be our uh, starting out again, Jan- new season, January episode, our first episode back from Podmas. And I used a new headset I got. And let's just say it didn't happen. Yeah, audio was not great on that, but it's happening now. Um, With, you know, hopefully some St. Bridget guidance coming down on her feast day. Yeah. Let's hope I remember my notes. I do. Um, But so just a preface for you guys, as Jesse did in our very first episode um, about Catholicism and how she's not an expert in the field or anything like that. Uh, I'm just gonna say I'm not an expert in Celtic mythology. It is the one, the current mythology that I am delving into more and more right now to learn about. Um, and it actually is, I guess, technically my own heritage. I'm a good blend of Roman mythology and Celtic mythology, even though you would never guess the Roman side. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it, it's been really cool delving in and researching this, and uh, one of the most interesting things that I came across in reading about Celtic mythology. I'm actually going to go through this book I got. Shout out to my friend Megan for getting me the book of Celtic myths for Christmas because it has been so much fun to read and so helpful for this podcast. Um, But like I said, I'm not an expert in this field, but I am really enjoying learning about it, figuring it out. But one of the coolest things, um, as I've been reading through Celtic mythology, comes from the goddess Bridget, which is almost like, we'll delve deeper into the mythology of her, uh, but in many ways she kind of is the big deity of Celtic mythology um, after the Dagda, um, which is another deity, but she's kind of like the second in command, but I don't want to say she's the second in command because she's oftentimes in the Celtic belief revered more so than a lot of other deities. But um, anyway, we'll delve into that. I think the coolest thing, though, as I was reading, is that there are a lot of similarities between the goddess Bridget and the Saint Bridget, um, who, you know, in Catholic belief, Christian belief, 
everybody who believes in saint belief. Um, and I decided to be a really cool episode to explore and find those similarities um, and talk about whether or not, I guess, St. Bridget existed, like, you know, actually existed, come to that conclusion. Um, Because there's a lot of controversy, but like, I don't want to say controversy. I don't think anybody's sitting there like, gotta find this out. But there is a lot of uh, discussion around whether or not St. Bridget is a Christianized form of the goddess Bridget. Um, And so we're going to explore that, see what conclusions we come to um it actually turns out pretty great because our last episode about patron saints um we touched on what saints are and now we get to kind of explore the life of one yeah definitely um totally agree with that and having already recorded this podcast once before i can say that a lot of like the comparisons are like really interesting to look at um so i'm excited to delve back into that and Bring our bring our listeners in on what we previously discussed. Yeah. Um, so I think first things first, I'm going to delve into um, the goddess Bridget. Um, or I think t- her name was actually probably pronounced more Brigid. We're just going to stick with Brigid, Brigid, Brig- Brigid, Brigid, because it's easier. Um, <laughs> our good old goddess Bridget. So, kind of the first thing that we need to discuss when it comes to her is the Celtic creation story. Um, Because, surprise, she plays a part in that. So, in the Celtic belief, which actually mirrors a lot of very similar beliefs, systems out there, um, which I think is cool, just fun fact, it even kind of mirrors, in ways, the Christian uh, creation story. Especially that almost all these faiths start with a great void of nothing. Um, So, in the beginning, there was nothing but this void of chaos and destruction. Um, Some Celtic beliefs believe that the earth was there, but it was also just bubbling and boiling in confusion. Nobody knew what to do with it. It was just there. Um, And from... Like, like from the void into the bubbling earth, streams of water just flew in and, like, cooled down the earth and the bubbling magma, creating land and adding oceans and all that. Um, which, of course, we know water brings life and land brings places to live. Um, so... This water onto the chaotic earth created life. Um, From that soil, a tree grew, and it was a sacred oak named Belay. And the water that flowed was divine water called Danu, which uh, fed the Belay tree and watered, nourished it, all that, until two great acorns grew onto the tree. Um, when the first acorn fell, the god, the first god, the Dagda, which I did not Google why he is the Dagda versus just Dagda. Um, maybe that's another episode. I don't know. Uh, but so the Dagda came and was born and was known essentially as the good god. 
Um, that's kind of what his name means. Maybe that's why there's the the in front, is it just means the good god. Um, from the second acorn came Bridget, who is known as the Exalted One. So you can already kind of see that Bridget held a lot of power in these beliefs. I mean, it was her and the good god. Um, but, you know, Jesse, I think something interesting, you know, since our last conversation is exalted sounds so much more powerful than just good god. Do you know what I mean? It does, yeah. Like the exalted one. So I, you know, um, so it kind of, I guess, makes sense as to why they, uh, why there was such reverence paid to both these deities, but also to Bridget. Uh, a lot to Bridget. So these two, the Dagda and Bridget, settled down by a great stream of water because you need water. Um, and since it had its origins from the big stream Danu, they named it the Danuvius, um, which is now still preserved as the Danube River, which still flows, of course, because it's a river, through uh, Europe. And from this... From these two, they kind of did the whole Adam and Eve thing and uh, populated the earth. Uh, They built four cities um, to which their descendants kind of, their descendants inhabited. And um, these babies and, you know, here's where I get a little confused on Celtic mythology. Uh, I'm not sure where necessarily human beings came from if they also came from the dagda and brigade or if it's kind of a uh, mix of gods and like other gods and humans came from them um but what we do know is that the people that inhabited these cities that were said to have been uh built by the dagda and brigid had a lot of reverence towards crafts, healing, and poetry, all attributes that they ascribed to the goddess Bridget. Um, and it's actually where we get the word druid from, because in Kel- the Celtic word for knowledge is vid, and the word for oak was drew. So combine them together, and you have druid. So oh, cool. a lot of... Yeah. Um, a lot of modern day druids still consider Bridget to be the mother of druidry, um, which I think is really cool. Again, um, I just I love that motherhood. I love motherhood. I love moms. <laughs> moms are great. What <laughs> did we do to deserve mom. them? Right. I love my mom, and I love other mom. Your mom. <laughs> <laughs> And I love who my I will mom only ever mom. just refer to as other mom. <laughs> and <laughs> she accepts that. it. She does. She really does. Um, I want to quick jump in here and kind of, while you were talking about this Celtic creation story, um, kind of how Bridget and the Dagda and their descendants basically came to be, um, you did mention how it pretty well parallels the um, creation stories that we have in our Bible. Um, Because if any of you don't know, there are actually two creation stories 
in the Christian Bible, um, Genesis chapter 1 and the beginning of Genesis chapter 2. Um, they are kind of the same thing. It's just Genesis 2 dives more in depth and that's where we really get like Adam and Eve and the betrayal and the fall and all that. Um, but what I wanted to say was like, it's kind of eerie to me almost. <laughs> like, eerie might not be the best word, but kind of that sense of there's something like weird about the connection between these two. Um, these two different stories, the Celtic one and specifically Genesis 2, the Adam and Eve story, because talking about, um, you know, how there was kind of nothing or maybe there was the earth, but it was kind of formless. There was nothing there. And then the water came and life got came on earth. And then there was a big tree. And from that big tree came two acorns that became two people. Kind, kind of interesting how it's kind of a male god and a female god maybe a man and a woman kind of like adam and eve um and from there they go and populate the earth um and from them and their descendants come the different cities the different tribes um and because that's like almost i'm not gonna say exactly what happened with adam and eve but kind of the bigger points it tracks right along with it and that's just that's so cool and i think i've said it before like to me, that points to a, I don't know which one of these is necessarily right. I know which one I believe is the right creation story. But there has to be some sort of truth here. There's something here, you know? Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, this is kind of how I feel we'll close it. But that's one of the reasons I love mythology so much. Um, And I like the way you said how you have what you believe. Um, I have what I believe. I have, you know, I believe the Christian faith. I believe all that. Um, but one thing I think is so cool about mythology and not even just, you know, um, I think I've said before sometimes, and I might say it in this podcast, so I want to throw it out. Uh, sometimes I might refer to it as like Christian mythology or Christian mythos. Um, mythology does not mean fake. Um, mm-hmm. When you break the word down, it is really just the study of beliefs and the study of stories. Um, So if you ever hear me say Christian mythology, I'm not saying, oh, it's fake. I'm talking about the stories that came from the faith. Um, And that's one of the things, like you said, mythology is always pointing towards a universal truth. Yeah, Um, and we might not know what exactly that truth is, but we know it's there. Kind of like, this is going to, I might cut this out, but... (laughs) Kind of like how when um, astronomers study different star systems, they know that there might there's probably a planet there, even if they can't see it, because they can see its effects on other planets. Um, yeah. But you're right. It, it is. I mean, there's just so much out there. And I think, you know, again, I will probably touch on this so we... I'm going to say it, but we might bring it up again and edit it out or whatever. But um, I've had people in the past be like, why are you so interested in mythology? Like, you know, as a Christian, shouldn't you be focusing on, you know, Christianity and stuff? Um, But in many ways, I think that I think that mythology enriches our ideas of Christianity. And I think that it can help strengthen um, I think it can help strengthen a lot of beliefs. So yeah, I, think, I, I love it. 
I think I had a religion professor once tell me, I think it was a religion professor, but um, that studying other faiths and cultures is a way to be, like, to be able to stand more firm in yours or to be able to understand your faith better. Exactly. Exactly. So I love this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Um, As you can tell, I'm totally geeking out over here with it. Um, but yeah, back, back into, uh, Bridget. So there's, as with, you know, again, kind of cool as with Genesis, the book of Genesis and the creation story there, there's a kind of two accounts of the creation of her, uh, or of the earth and of that, uh, but especially pertaining to Bridget, um, so in some beliefs, she is actually the daughter of the Dagda. Um, I don't know who her mother is in that story, um, but she is the Dagda's daughter. And in some way, cases, she is also three of the Dagda's daughters. Hmm. Um, so it, <laughs> it's a little wild. Um, so hang on with me here. Um, but I do want to just clarify first before I delve into each aspect of Bridget as his daughter, um, Bridget's main focus in the belief and her main attributes, the main attributes given to her, uh, was that she was a goddess of poetry, fire, healing waters, and of inspiration. So she kind of, I mean, she's a lot of things. She's poet uh in in to be honest in just those words she reminds me a lot of the god in greek mythology apollo um so i wonder if there's any similarities there but she she was the patron goddess of all artisans um which not only just poets but also blacksmiths and metal workers um so many people who you know built swords would also dedicate their swords and their weapons to St. Bridget, um, who in other accounts was also a war goddess. She was kind of like everything. And I really, I love this woman. Um, I guess that's what comes from being one of the two main gods is you're kind of a god of everything. (laughs) Exactly. Um, But also in addition to um, her name being exalted one, there is belief that her name means fire arrow. Um, because Ooh. she had control over fire and heat. I love that. I want to be named Fire Arrow. Um, and then just to connect some more fun mythologies, and then I'll delve into her being a triple goddess. Um, she, not only is she like the goddess of poetry, but she also is the mother of eloquence. Um, her daughter, Agma, took on the... Um, you know, attributes of eloquence. So she's the daughter of, or she's the mother of eloquence. Um, and was also seen originally before the Celts kind of took on the faith as Brigantia, um, who was the sovereign goddess of the Brigantes, a powerful tribe of British Celts. So bringing that in and due to this intermingling, she also has a lot of similarities with the Roman goddess Minerva, who was the goddess of craftsmanship and war, um, who had, in Roman mythology, a special connection to almost the Roman forms of druids. 
So there's this really cool universal connection between the European deities um, that I find fascinating that gets even more expanded upon in um, in the idea of her being the Dagda's daughter. Mm-hmm. So a lot of mythologies have an idea of the triple goddess, which is essentially a trinity. Um, I fully believe the trinity is a very holy thing, so I, I struggle to say, oh, it's the, you know, like it's a trinity of this belief, uh, but it is. Um, actually, if you look through a lot of different faiths uh, or mythologies in the past, there's a lot of ideas of a god or goddess in some form three forms, um, but not in the same way as Christianity has it. I will will say that. Because mm-hmm. um, as such, in the Celtic beliefs, with Bridget being a triple goddess, there's the idea of it's the mother, daughter, and old crone. So it's almost like the stages of life for these goddesses are represented by three different people. They're all one central deity, but they're represented in different ways. Um, so, in the case of Bridget, each of the three Bridgets had a different special ability and like sovereign sovereignness over. Um, so, the first one, um, the goddess of poetry, Bridget, was also associated with magic and spoken enchantment. Um, seership and prophecy um, and she was I um, so I believe that that one this form of her was seen as the maiden or as like the daughter the youthful form of the spirit um, so I I love this one the most I think because mm-hmm. I never really thought of putting poetry and magic together Um, But it's absolutely beautiful because I think words have so much power. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you look at a lot of great prophecies, they were even Christian prophecies are written in poetry. Yeah, prophecies, if you look at like spells in witchcraft, like a lot of them are poetry. And sure, that might partially be because it's easier to remember. But, you know, there could words do have power and especially when. They're arranged in a certain way, I think. Yeah. I mean, even some I, Christian, but I, I, I'm going to say more Catholic prayers are uh, very poetic. Oh, they yeah, have a lot they of are. poetic, uh, uh, I can't think of the word, poetic language, but it's like fancier, but I'm going to stick with poetic language. Yeah, I'm trying to think of an example, <laughs> and I know I know some, but... Um, here, I've got the uh, Prayer to St. Patty right here in my uh, Mark of <laughs> Athena book I got from McKay's. Oh yeah, read that one. Um, I arise today through God's, uh, through God's strength to pilot me, God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to see before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me. God's host to secure me. And then it kind of goes into what against. Um, and then 
goes into starting with Christ be with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so kind of that repetitive, of poet- yeah, <laughs> that po- yeah, repetitive poetic quality. Yeah, or even there's the um, prayer to the guardian angel that goes, "Angel of God, my guardian dear, to whom God's love commits me here, ever this day be at my side to light and guard, to rule and guide." Um, and that one's definitely a lot more for children. I still pray it though, because I need my guardian angel. <laughs> Um, hey, but I love it. I a, got my guardian much angel, more like, George. I get you. Yeah. <laughs> a much more like straightforward, obviously there's a rhyme scheme there. Uh, but yeah, yeah, so a lot of prayers do have that nature to them. Um, so poetry is powerful. That's what we learned in this episode of <laughs> Faith Palm. <laughs> We're just going to retitle it, <laughs> but... Poetry is Powerful, and just leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> poetry is power! Um, but so... After we have the maiden um, in the triple goddess idea, we have the mother. Um, and that would be Bridget part two. I'll name Bridget. Um, <laughs> and she was the goddess of fire and ruled over like blacksmiths um, as well as the hearth fire in the home. Um, and she, like her temples, the mother Bridget, in this case, um, were looked over by a company of virgin priestess, which also had um, a sacred flame that they watched over. Um, This will become very important when we talk about St. Bridget. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one where probably a lot of the qualities for the saint uh, get intermingled. Um, But also to once again prove the fact that all mythologies are in some way connected, uh, this Bridget is extremely similar to Hestia slash Vesta um, in Greek and Roman mythology, who was the um, virgin goddess of the hearth and was honestly the most revered goddess in those faiths. Um, maybe not so much in the Roman um, iteration, but in the Greek, she was the one of the most important because she was the goddess who looked over your home. Yeah. <laughs> okay and then we come to the final bridget um who is the old crone (laughs) which i love i don't know why i just love that it's like maiden mother old crone um probably a little bit of sexism there if we're being honest but you know what this bridget's still really awesome and cool (laughs) and not like crazy or anything um, despite what the term crone might imply. Yeah, crazy um, old lady. So, she, yeah. <laughs> um, so she was, act. Um, this Bridget is the Bridget of water um, and was sovereign over healing baths and wells. Um, as I said, she followed the old crone and was often seen as a hideous hag, which... It kind of gets a little crazier here, so hold with me. This Bridget also had another form named Kalik, or Kylik, yeah, Kylik, um, who is another goddess uh, mentioned in context of sacred wells. Uh, many scholars believe that Bridget, this Bridget, Old Crone Bridget, and the Kylik are two sides of the same goddess. Um, 
which is interesting because it, I don't know, it kind of counteraffects the whole triple goddess idea, but also like doesn't because mythology is weird. Um, but in many ways, they it was also seen. Also, you know, just to say a lot of this mythology and a lot of mythology we know are what we can piece together from artifacts. Um, so sometimes it contradicts, but mm -hmm. that doesn't mean, you know, <laughs> we discount one for the other. Uh, we don't know which one was the popular belief. Uh, but when it came to the Kalik, it's a young Bridget ruled over the summer months, um, beginning with the festival of Imbolc, which is today, also known as St. Bridget's Feast Day. Also known <laughs> um, as February 1st. Hey, February 1st, not the day you're listening to this, probably. Yeah. Um, and then the Kalik ruled over the months of winter from Samhain, which we talked about on Halloween, onward. <laughs> um, and again, I'm so excited to talk about this. We go right back to Greek, Greek mythology. Um, in many ways, this takes on their triple goddess, who is... Demeter, goddess of the harvest, um, who I'd say is similar to probably the mother um, view and the maiden, um, who we all know pretty much because it's the one mythology story we're taught in school, Persephone. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, it kind of blends really well here where it's like Demeter and Perse Demeter kind of was happy Persephone was around in the summer like spring summer months uh by the time the winter came it persephone went to the underworld and demeter mourned and that's why there's no harvest um so we got some similarities there too um and then i believe in the triple goddess idea of demeter i think hecate is the other part who is the goddess of magic which would then uh play in once again to the idea of bridget um the goddess of poetry and magic Wow, there are so many connections, Jesse. So many. Gosh, this is so cool. Yeah, there are. And like to connect it to like my own life, I think I said this last time we recorded it, but I want to mention it again because I find it cool. So I've been reading this book series about like witches and vampires and all that because yes, I'm a nerd. Um, but the main character in this is a witch named Diana, um, and her her goddess that um her people worship, um is a triple goddess just like this and she's named after this goddess and diana is another name for hecate and kind of synonymous with all these other triple goddesses that we've talked about so and like a lot of the qualities are very similar she even this character even like can like control fire but she does that by like when she does that she sees herself holding a bow and arrow and shooting the fire like a fire arrow which ties back to Bridget's name potentially meaning fire arrow. Like, it's just this what? really weird, like, synchronicity <sighs> with blown. what we're talking about and this fun book that I'm reading just because. Um, but yeah, so just to throw that out there. <laughs> I wish you, I wish this was a video because I'm like jumping. This is so cool. <laughs> this is so cool. It is. Oh my gosh. Um, so, um, to continue, so past the triple goddess, um, 
we're going to delve into a special place in Ireland uh, called Kildar or Kildare. Um, apparently, there's a lot of ways to talk about it. Um, <laughs> but in the traditional Irish way, it was called Kildara, which meant the Church of the Oak, um, which is the oak tree that Bridget came from. Um Fun, funnily and funny enough, funny enough, funny enough. <laughs> Kildara is also where Saint Bridget created her uh, abbey. So uh, it, it another little fun connection there. Um, it, so it was it's also so weird how this works area. out. And I want to say, do you um, think just knowing what we know about her before we dive into this, do you think she purposefully chose that spot? just because of the connections there? Or do you think that was just a weird happenstance? Or do you think they're the same person? I guess that's more a question for the end. Yeah, I guess we'll delve into it kind of at the end, but that's a good good, good thing to bring up now, I think, because it's... Get, get our listeners thinking, you know? Yeah, hold, let's hold on to that thought. Um, but some other just... As I close out on um, the goddess, some other cool things about her um, come from her being of the warring or of a goddess of war. Um, so she was known to unify warring clans. Hmm. Um, yeah, especially through like inspiration and speech. Um, I think in many ways she is also a goddess of diplomacy like it's maybe a goddess of war but mainly a goddess of ending war um Mm. which also goes into her main facet of being a war goddess is she was actually and it gives me chills to say this because i don't think i see this in many other um mythologies but she was a war goddess and guardian over the non-combatants and grieving families Oh, wow. Um, I like that. So, right? So, I think when we think of gods and goddesses of war, or war in general, it's always the battle or the strategy. Um, and nobody really thinks about what what was going on at home, you know? Like, that aspect. I just burped. Ugh, Diet Coke. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, we never think about the aspect of home life during war, and of you know, the kind of, I guess, almost archetype now of the grieving widow. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason she was uh, kind of given this was because in myths of, like, stories she did, stuff like that, she actually had her son die in battle um, and was the first to lament and create um, the Irish practice of keening, um, which in a lot of Irish beliefs, still even now, um, when somebody in your family dies, you hire a woman to come to the funeral and quote-unquote wail. Um, It's more singing. Um, I think a lot of times now it's singing hymns, but... Mm -hmm in many ways the song Danny Boy is actually an Irish keen that was sung at funerals. 
You know, um, I, I kind of want that job to be hired to go to funerals and just wail. <laughs> right? Like, not um, to make light of the purpose behind it, but, like, that seems pretty cool. I just, I don't know this person, but, you know, like, <laughs> um, but in this, the goddess Bridget was also seen as protecting cemeteries of the dead. So I guess she was also very minorly, don't quote me on this because it's probably not like super ascribed to her. But to me, in my mind, she seems a little bit even goddess of death. I mean, she protected cemeteries. Um, and fun fact here, she is said to have created the Banshee because of her whale. Um, so if you know anything about celtic fairy lore um the banshee is essentially a um omen spirit that if you hear the banshee wail that means somebody in your family or you is going to die soon i wish there was clarification on if it was somebody in my family or me because that, right? that, that that would give me insight onto what i should be doing should i be looking out for myself or looking out for somebody else Right? Um, but let me flip in my book to the Christian side of things. Um, yeah, because my book has that. I really, like, I really highly recommend this book. Um, my friend got it from Barnes and Nobles. Is it Barnes and Nobles or Barnes and Noble? Barnes and Noble. Just one Noble. She, ah, uh, just one Noble. She got it from Barnes and Noble. Um, and it's called The Book of Celtic Myths, From the Mystic Might of the Celtic Warriors to the Magic of the Fey Folk, The Story, History, and Folklore of Ireland, Scotland, Brittany, and Wales. Um, and it's Adams Media is who printed it, but since it's a collection of people working on it, it doesn't really have, like, a set everything. Um... Contains materials adapted from the Everything Celtic Wisdom book by Jennifer Emick. Um, but I highly recommend it. It was like $15. It's really cool, especially if you're into, like, if you're Catholic or interested in mythology and faith. Um, it actually has a whole chapter on Celtic Christianity. And throughout it, it's got little, like, inserts um, about like similarities between Christianity. Um, like the page I just flipped to is there was an idea of baptism in the Celtic faith. Um, maybe one day we'll talk about that. Now we get to jump into the St. Bridget. Um, who, as I said, there's much debate over whether or not she actually lived. Um, I'll go ahead and say that I think that there was a Bridget who lived during this time, but I do think some of her some of her stories got intermingled with the goddess. Um, yeah, I mean it's kind of hard. She's... So she was any sto any like accounts of her were only written down like centuries after she was alive, and you're gonna lose a lot of information in that time. But then you're also gonna like add in a bunch of, like, supplemental from just, like, oral tradition, passing down stories, it's kind of a game of telephone, so it's kind of natural that we don't have a lot about her 
and probably that she's been conflated a bit with the goddess Bridget. Yeah, exactly. Um, So some cool things about St. Bridget. As we already said, her feast day is February 1st, which is also um, in Celtic belief in Bullock, which is the first day of spring. So uh, happy spring. It snowed where I'm at today. (laughs) Um, I wish. But and it's very cold. Um, She is kind of seen as a patron goddess or god patron goddess. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she is seen as a patron saint also over um, healing of blacksmithing and uh, over livestock um, because why not? Um, springtime, <laughs> livestock, all that. Love me some um, <laughs> Right? So according to Celtic tradition, um, St. Bridget was born in Fogheart, um, in Northern Ireland, um, and was the daughter of a powerful druid, which, as you can probably tell, is a little conflicting for a saint to be born of, you know? Um, she was the daughter of Dubthak, who was a king of Leinster, and was born also of his, like, her mother was one of his slaves. Um, Braca, 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 I don't know how to say it, Braca. I, <laughs> um, I, I R has a little pronounce thingy Irish over it. names and I wish I could. Um, Braca. so apologies to our Irish listeners. She was one of Saint, who was also one of St. Patrick's converts. Um, I'm going to stop with the dialect. <laughs> um, <laughs> so she was born of this, you know, druid man and, slave um she loved saint patrick um we know that or it said that she had a big reverence towards saint patrick like just absolutely was enamored by the dude i mean Um, doesn't everybody (laughs) right good old saint patty that's why we celebrate his name or his day saint patty's day yeah um, give me one second, Jesse. I am obviously the worst. No, you're um, not. But there was you're a story great. about... There was a story I'm realizing I put C website on my notes um, that was about her... Her... Um, it was about her in slavery um, and being a slave. Um. And I... I'm so sad I can't find that website. Um, yeah, I don't have anything in my notes about it, but I do remember you talking about it. Yeah, I'm sad. We might just have to not talk about that because I stupidly exited out of that. Was it I about her, like, with the with the milk from her mom's cow and she would give it away and then she prayed for more milk? To, like, meet the quota or whatever, and she got the milk and it was fine? Was it that story? Yes. Cool. Yes. Go memory. Um, thank you. Um, so, bouncing back. So, yeah, she was born of a slave and, uh, Dubthak, the king of Leinster. Leinster. Um... 
she essentially didn't get any privileges of being a princess per se. Um, also, I mean, it was a different type of king of Druidry is very different than the king of England type stuff. Mm. Um, but so she was a slave. And as I said, she was in love with, not in love, but she was enamored by St. Patrick and his stories and his faith and beliefs um, that she, um, or, okay, she was enamored by his beliefs. Uh, this also probably comes from her mother, who is said to have been one of St. Patrick's converts. Um, and even as a young child, she performed some miracles um so she was an expert dairy woman um and was said to have been um said to okay jesse you might have to remind me on this story because it's not clicking because i've got too many stories going on in my head um so if i remember this correctly she like worked with her mom basically at what would be a dairy um, and each of the workers had, like, a quota of how much milk they had to, I don't know, milk out of a cow. Um, and Bridget, out of the kindness of her heart, would always give away the milk to the people who people who need it, the poor people, stuff like that. Um, and, you know, her mom was mad at her, like, why are you giving away all this milk? We need it to meet the quota. And so, like, I guess the nights before, it like, the quota was had to be met, she, like, prayed that i don't know she would get more milk and she did i think i think that's it i think i'm remembering that correctly but i could be totally wrong well i know she produced um about milk and cheese um i think it was both uh she produced about from one cow what 10 cows could produce in milk yeah, it was something like that. Um, but so, it, I hate that I lost that website. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but so, um, bouncing back into this. So, she was about to be offered up for marriage. Her father was able to get money. You know, it was one of those arranged marriages of the time. And she was like, no, I've pledged myself to God, not you, not anybody else. And so she prayed to God to take away her beauty, and he did. Mm-hmm. Um, which is insane. <laughs> she was like, God, I don't want to be pretty because I don't want anyone to like me. And so I think, Jesse, you told me he took her eye? Yeah, I think so. You're probably going to get to this part, but... Um, in what I had read, her father, her father was going to, like, sell her to the king as a wife. Um, and so he, like, left her in the carriage and went to go negotiate with the king. While he was doing that, um, she was talking to a beggar. And she decided to give the beggar her father's sword. Um, and somehow in that, the sword ended up gouging out her eye. Um, so that's... That's at least what I read of how she became, quote, ugly. And then, once she got back in the church, she became gorgeous again. Yeah, like, the the 
moment she took her vows um, to become a nun, she her eye was healed or she became beautiful again. However, that happened to work out. Oh, I found so I found the website. <laughs> I did it. Um, so the milk story. Um, so St. Bridget was known for her generosity. One time she saw a beggar um, who asked for butter. And St. Bridget was like, yeah, I'll give you butter. Gave away her and her mother's entire supply of butter. And then simply prayed for God to replenish the supply. Um, St. Bridget's mom was like, girl, why'd you give away all my butter? But then butter miraculously appeared in the house um and then that's also when she was able to milk a cow up to 10 times what it actually should be able to milk yeah there's a there's Um, a lot of bridget bridget was so kind that she just gave stuff away and her parents got mad at her there's a lot of that in in the kind of mythology of saint bridget i mean one of the cool things about her is she is like in catholicism and like the Catholic beliefs of St. Bridget, she's known as many miracles of plenty. Um, so obviously the cow and the milk, uh, but also she was apparently able to create large quantities of beer with very little malt. Um, yeah, that's her miracle of plenty that I wrote down. A, a, a true Irish saint right there. <laughs> yeah, a true Irish saint could make a lot of beer. Um, But, so, when she got to the monastery, she wanted to build her own, was looking for land, um, and here's another miracle of plenty. She asked the king what land he would give her for this, and him being a little cocky was like, you can have as much land as my cloak will cover. So she prayed to God to expand her cloak, um, and the stories claim that she took took the cloak off of him, threw it up, and the cloak grew as the king watched and covered a huge area of land that he then donated for her monastery. Um, Which, of course, as we covered, was under the oak tree in Kildara. Um, Mm. But it's really cool um, because this monastery grew into a huge community for both, like, men and women, um, but it brought a lot of power to women. Um, it was one of the kind of first, first abbeys, I guess, to kind of come about. Um, she was important, like Bridget was, is seen as an important female leader in the church, um, because of the fact that she like created a place for women to study faith. Um, and I think that's really awesome. Like, I love that. Like, gosh, she's so cool. I love St. Bridget. I love Goddess Bridget and I love St. Bridget. Are they, uh, like, I love it. Um, there is an interesting story in which she, uh, accidentally became a bishop, but I don't know how accurate that is. Um, the story goes that she, like, in an eighth, 8th century text um, claims that her ordination was actually an accident and that while receiving her nun's veil, the bishop being intoxicated with the grace of God, in quotes, 
read the wrong passage from his book, thereby consecrating Bridget as a bishop. Um, and then I, later accounts claim that the bishop was just merely drunk. Yeah, I feel like if you're intoxic- intoxicated by the grace of God, you're not going to make a mistake. Um, and also, <laughs> I don't know how accurate, how, like, how likely it is that them that mistake happened, because I feel like those two, you know, blessings, they're really sacraments right there. I feel like those right. two are, like, in separate parts of the priest book. Like, you're not going to get those confused. Um, but also I wasn't there, so who knows? I think, so I do know that she was kind of, she was me, how dare me? Um, she was made the leader of this abbey. I think the leader of both the men and the women of the abbey, so that might be where that story comes from. Um. Ah. Like, maybe she was Uh. kind of her own mini bishop, but she wasn't really, like, a bishop. Um, that could be it, but I don't know. (laughs) Um, but so alongside with this Abby, one thing that I find really special as an artist uh, myself is that she continued, like like the goddess, um, had a thriving community of artisans around the Abbey um, and is almost one of the reasons we have a lot of sacred texts that we still have um, because they produced illuminated manuscripts, um, including what we know today as the Book of Kildara. Um, she also had a legendary forge, which specialized in fine metalwork, um, which is mm, art amazing. and and a that. forge, kind of like Goddess Bridget was, kind of the goddess of craftsmen and artists, and also blacksmiths. Exactly, um, and then another cool thing about her is that apparently she is said to have touched an altar post at communion. And it burst into flowers. That'd be um, pretty cool, actually. Which is really pretty. I'd love to see that happen. Um, and then... So here's the wildest thing about her. So... She is known as Mary of the Gauls. Because... Some people believe St. Bridget was the midwife of and foster mother of Jesus, which... I mean, that involves time travel. We're talking 5th century and <laughs> literally year zero, so... Yeah, exactly where... Um, this is a story that I think kind of blends... To be honest, here's my interpretation of this story. Um... I believe that in an attempt to convert the Celts to Christianity, um, some of the missionaries, some of the biblical people could have formed a story indicating that their most highly revered goddess was present at the birth um, as a sense of like, look, Bridget was there. We love her. You know what I mean? Um Personally, I don't think that she was the <laughs> foster mother of Christ. Um, I think she was an incredible woman, but I I do not think that she fostered Christ. Yeah, that's just... It doesn't work out in history and in my brain. Um, so I'm going to put a big no on that. <laughs> I also feel like it goes against a lot of uh, ideas. 
because, like, I, I the fact that she'd be alive before she was alive, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like, unless you're going to tell me that time travel is true, which I would love, but in my brain that doesn't work with how God created us and how our souls work. Um, but unless you're going to tell me that time travel is real, then you're, then you're not going to convince me that Bridget was present at the birth of Christ. Yeah. Um, here's an interesting thing that I actually just found. Um, it's in Celtic mixed with Christian belief. Um, it said that repeating the genealogy of Bridget will always protect you. Um, and the poem goes, this is the genealogy of the holy maiden bridge bride or the, of the holy maiden bride. I think it's shortened from Bridget. It's not like bride, um, mm -hmm. radiant flame of gold, noble foster mother of Christ bride, the daughter of Dougal, the Brown son of Aodin or Aod, son of art, son of Khan, son of Creer, son of Sis, son of Carmack, son of Karun. Every day and every night that I say the gene genealogy of bride, I shall not be killed, I shall not be harried, I shall not be put in a cell, I shall not be wounded, neither shall Christ leave me in forgetfulness. No fire, no sun, no moon shall burn me, no lake, no water, nor sea shall drown me, no arrow or no arrow of fairy nor dart of fay shall wound me. I am under the protection of my holy Mary, and under, and my gentle foster mother is my beloved bride. Breed, maybe. Um, Interesting. So, right. Um, but to that bounce back. So, in addition to having this abbey, and almost in a similarity to the goddess Bridget, she had. A eternal flame um, that was to be lit by the virgins, the nuns. Um, this eternal flame is similar to um, St. Bridget's eternal flame that she had lit that also could only be lit by virgins. Um, do I, feel so do I remember correctly that... Yeah. Do I remember correctly that... Um, it's actually the same flame, and it's believed that Bridget just kept it going kind of to honor her namesake, because she was named after the goddess. Yes, it, it, you are correct in believing, uh, or correct in that. Since her church was built in the same area and pretty much in the temple of Bridget, it is the same flame. Okay. Um, so, I love this story, and it's actually one of the miracles produced by uh saint bridget is that uh she kept the custom of keeping the fire alight uh for her and her nuns the fire represented new light of christianity um and so she had 20 nuns or 20 people tended to the flame um and on the 20th day it was bridget who did it um and this is a really cool quote in my book from Geraldus Caprensis, the Gerald of, or maybe it's Harold of Wales, it says Gerald, um, but in 1185, he described the perpetual fires there in Bridget's honor. At Kildara in Leinster, celebrated for glorious Bridget, many miracles have been wrought worthy of memory. 
Among these, the first that occurs is the fire of St. Bridget, which is reported to never go out. Not that it cannot be ex extinguished, but the nuns and holy women tend and feed it, adding fuel with such watchful and diligent care that from the time of the Virgin, it has continued burning through the long course of the years. And although such heaps of wood has have been consumed during this long period, there has been no accumulation of ash. At the time of St. Bridget, twenty nuns were engaged in the Lord's warfare, she herself being the twentieth. After her glorious departure, nineteen have always formed the society, the number having never increased. Each of them has the care of the fire for a single night. The last nun, having heaped wood upon the fire, says, Bridget, take charge of your own fire, for this night belongs to you. Which I love thinking, like, I just see the sassy redhead Irish girl going, Bridget, take care of your own fire, this night belongs to you. You know, like, I just see her, Merida right there, you know, even though Merida was Scottish, but, you know, anyway. Um, she then leaves the fire, and in the morning it is found that the fire has not gone out, and that the usual quantity of fuel has been used. Um, the fire is surrounded by a hedge of stakes and brushwood that form a circle within which no male can enter. If anyone should presume to enter, which has been sometimes attempted by rash men, he will not escape the divine vengeance. Moreover, it is only lawful for women to blow the fire, fanning it or using bellows only and not with their breath. Um, I've, I just think it's so, like, this miracle is so cool that it's, like, on Bridget's night to tend the fire, you know, the spirit of Bridget, I guess, night to tend the fire, that in this lore from the 1100s, um, it doesn't, the fire doesn't go out, you know, like, and none of it's burnt. Like, that's so cool. That That is so wild. And I wonder... If that's that's true to this day, because I know the fire is still burning, um, the nuns of that abbey still keep it burning. So I wonder if that like tradition remains and if it still happens that way. Um, um so I can answer that for you. Okay. Um, and it's a bit of a disappointment, um, to be honest. So the flame went out, um, just as time went on. Um, I'm not sure exactly when it supposedly went out uh, but in 1993 the flame was relit in the market square of Kildara by um, Sister Mary Teresa Colin um, who is the congregational leader of the Brigadine Sisters um, that stayed lit um, until 2005 when the president of Ireland presided at the lighting of the perpetual flame in Town Square on St. Bridget's Day, so today, 2006, um, in 2006, this flame was lit from the flame tended by the Brigadine Sisters in Solas Breed. Um, it's still lit and guarded, but I believe it runs off of gas now. Oh, dang um, it. Technology ruins everything. <laughs> Um, but they say the town has uh, kind of adapt adopted it to burn as a beacon of hope, justice, and peace for Ireland and of the world. I like that. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. 
And that's kind of a taking of tradition from the Celtic belief through the Christian belief and into kind of a secular belief of now this is not just for us, it's for everyone. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so that's St. Bridget. Um, again, we we don't have a lot on her. Um, we do know she died in 525. Um, I believe she was in her 60s when she died. Um, but that's kind of all we know about her. We know that she started this abbey. Um, and we know that it was very important. Especially, I think, if it weren't for Bridget, um, the way nuns are would not have been, wouldn't be the same. Um, am I right to maybe assume that? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I think specifically in Ireland, I think I had read that before she started her abbey, if you were basically what would have been a nun at the time, which which is a consecrated virgin, somebody who decides they're not going to marry, they're going to go on single and, you know, um, you would still live at home with your family. Um, so that was kind of the first instance of an abbey somewhere that these people go and live among each other. Um, so that would definitely be true for Ireland. I don't know how, if like that was the first ever abbey or if there were abbeys in different parts of the world. Um, but I think definitely would be kind of different to be sure. Yeah. Um, it, it just, you know, to, to tie it all in, um, I went into the first time we recorded this podcast, um, I went into this thinking there is no way St. Bridget was real. It's just all borrowed mythology. Um, but to come out now, I, I do believe that there was a woman, um, named Bridget who lived during this time. I think a lot of beliefs and like a lot of I don't want to say a lot of the miracles surrounding her but a lot of the attributes ascribed to her comes from the goddess the attributes of the goddess um which we we see in a in a lot of mythology I mean mythologies take after one another and adopt like consistently even Christianity and Judaism like and uh Islamic or is Islam borrow like everything's kind of borrowed and put into your own culture of sort. Um, not again, like it's not saying one's necessarily right or wrong. We have our beliefs of what's right. Um, but that doesn't discount others who believe something else. Um, but it, it is something very interesting that I, I, I love talking about this subject. and I love learning about it because I do think, now that there was a saint bridget and i adore her i think she is wonderful um and i would love a a uh saint bridget medal um because she is my favorite favorite goddess or goddess uh saint (laughs) (laughs) and favorite celtic goddess probably Uh, i really love her um and i'm excited to delve into more about her um in the future Yeah, yeah, I would definitely say, so, this episode, um, both this time and the time we recorded, uh, the first time we recorded, and then also our episode on Halloween, um, have kind of, like, solidified in my mind, um, kind of what we talked about before, where 
learning about other faiths, other mythologies, other traditions. Um, it might shake some things up with how you believe, but I think the good that comes out of it is always being more aware of what you believe and why you believe and being more solid in that. Um, and this definitely helps me do that. And it's just the synchronicities in these kinds of stories and these traditions and saints and goddesses and everything like the fact that there is similarity between them i think points me to see the truth within those two that there was there there is something there's a seed of truth in all of it and me interpreting it in the christian tradition is just how it makes the most sense to me and my experience of our faith and our god um, and that might be different if somebody truly believes in the goddess Bridget and Celtic mythology. Like, that's a form of belief, and I'm not going to judge that. Uh, because to anybody else, to any atheist, that's probably just as wild as my belief. But my belief, you know? Yeah. Um, so, I, I, you know, my challenge for our listeners is really to explore some mythologies um look into stuff real recognize stuff um find similarities in your beliefs because it can help strengthen them um look into norse mythology there's a lot of similarities between norse mythology and christianity um some of that is unfortunately because We've lost a lot of how Norse mythology was practiced um, through missionaries coming in and changing the religion. Um, but there are some really interesting similarities, um, such as Odin, um, in many ways, kind of takes on attributes of Christ um, in order, like, goes through great suffering in order to gain wisdom. Um, and it, it's interesting seeing how there is some universal truth to everything um you can look at egyptian mythology in that the kind of patron god the main god ra um in the early beliefs came in three forms representing uh morning afternoon and night and like dusk so there's a lot of really wild and cool mythologies that connect to christianity um, and you can use those to strengthen, as Jesse said, strengthen your own belief. Um, for me, you know, kind of going on a denominational journey of where I feel I fit in, it's really cool to look at these mythologies um, and explore that there is, no matter what, universal truth in this world that I I personally ascribe to Christianity um, and that strengthens because it's like, wow, in my mind, I can point all these faiths into one central idea. Um, and I'm sure even if we have non-Christian listeners uh, or uh, listeners of other beliefs or religions, um, they can also find that kind of core, core belief mm -hmm. in their own faith. Yeah. Cool. Well, before we completely wrap it up here, I wanted to share a poem that's often attributed to St. Bridget solely because I think it's the most awesome poem I've ever read. 
Um, and you'll understand as soon as I read the first line. So here it is. I should like a great lake of beer for the king of kings. I should like the angels of heaven to be drinking it through time eternal. I should like excellent meats of belief and pure piety. I should like the men of heaven at my house. I should like the bar- I should like barrels of peace at their disposal. I should like for them sellers of mercy. I should like cheerful- cheerfulness to be their drinking. I should like Jesus to be there among them. I should like the three Marys of illustrious renown to be with us. I should like the people of heaven, the poor, to be gathered around from all parts. I love it so much. I love that. It's exactly what I want heaven to be. Great lake of beer. Everybody at my house for a party. Yes, with Diet Coke. With Diet Coke. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Well, thank you all for listening to this episode of Faith Palm. If you like what you heard and would like to continue to support us in our effort to explore the Christian tradition and have a little fun doing so, please like, subscribe, and follow our show wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to also follow us on Instagram at Faith Palm Podcast and message us at faithpalmpodcast at gmail.com or through Anchor at anchor.fm slash faithpalm with any questions, corrections, suggestions, or your favorite Irish saint. Uh, I'm going to leave you all with a great Irish blessing. As you slide down the banister of life, may the splinters never point the wrong way. Amen. Amen. <laughs>